Morning, New Day. So glad you didn't melt on your way to church. Glad you made it here safely. Isn't this heat been crazy? I just want to be indoors. How many of you like being indoors when it's like this? How many of you are like, bring it on, let's have more of this heat? All right, I'm not going to, I can't pray for you anymore, but no, I'm just kidding. Hey, I'm so glad you're all here today. Uh, thanks for being with us in person. Thanks for being with us online. Uh, we just counted a huge privilege to get to teach you the Word of God each week and to just spend some little bit of time together uh, with you here. And, and we're just so glad that you're here as today we kick off a mini-series within Matthew's Gospel. If you're new to our church today, if you're tuning in online for the first time right now, we're just studying through the wonderful gospel of Matthew, just uh, verse by verse, section by section. Uh, but today we find ourselves at the beginning of a mini-series within Matthew's gospel uh, on the topic of true and false disciples. The Bible teaches us that on Judgment Day, uh, God's going to command the angels to go ahead and sort out uh, who are the sheep and who are the goats, all right? That is those who truly belong to Jesus and those who don't. Another word picture we're given is this. The angels are going to sort out the wheat from the tares, okay? The wheat from the weeds. Uh, the wheat, of course, is representative of true followers of Jesus. The, uh, the, the, the tares or the weeds um, are, are those who represent those who do not truly belong to Jesus. Uh, another picture the Bible gives us is on that day of judgment, the angels are going to separate the wheat from the chaff, okay? Uh, those uh, who are uh, truly belonging to Jesus and those who are not. So there's always like the genuine article and then there's the imposter or the imitation. Um, it's like this, there's real Rolex watches, right? But they are not what you get on the street corner of New York City for 30 bucks, you know? Uh, there's the genuine article and then there's the imitation. And that's what Jesus is addressing in this series. It's not just that there's those who are uh, followers of Jesus and, and then the evil, horrible, rotten people who are not, you know, no, it's not like that. There's, there's the saved and the unsaved. But then over here on kind of like the saved camp, the religious camp, are those who claim to follow Jesus. They look religious. They attend church. They might even give in, in, in the offering, you know. Uh, they might do nice things, you know, and this and that and the other, but they are not true disciples of Jesus. And we're doing this series because uh, I don't want anyone here at New Day Church, um, anyone tuning in, you know, online, I don't want anyone to be deceived concerning your eternal uh, destination, uh, concerning where you'll spend all eternity. And we're doing this series towards the aim of helping, one, helping everyone to understand where they're truly at in terms of eternity. Now, in this series, we're going to look at four different illustrations that Jesus gives to help us gauge where we're at. Let's take a look. The first set of illustration is it's the narrow gate versus the wide gate. The second illustration, the good fruit and the bad fruit. The third illustration, Jesus talks about the claim versus the reality. And then the fourth and final uh, in this uh, illustration in this series, he talks about the solid rock versus the shifting sand. So take a look. There's two gates. There's two trees. There's two claims. And then there's two foundations on which you can build your life. And in each week of this series, Jesus is going to ask us, to make a decision. Is it going to be the narrow gate or the wide? Is it going to be, you're going to produce good fruit or, or bad fruit? Um, uh, in week three, which claim are you going to make? One that's true, one that's false. And then in week four, which foundation are you going to build on? So the whole series, Jesus is calling us to make 
the all-important decision. I like the way uh, Bible commentator John MacArthur puts it. Take a look. He says this, our lives are filled with decisions. What to wear, what to eat, where to go, what to do, what to say, uh, what to buy, who to marry, uh, what career to follow, and on and on. Many decisions are trivial and insignificant, but some are essential and life-changing. The most critical of all is our decision about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. That is the ultimate choice that determines our eternal destiny. Is that decision, and it is that decision that Jesus here calls men to make. All right, so whether you went with uh, plain vanilla Cheerios this morning or, or honey roasted, you know, trivial, insignificant, okay? In one sense, like, that's not one of the most important decisions you make, all right? But where you're going to spend all eternity, that's a pretty important decision. And so Jesus, all throughout this series, every single week, it's a four-week series, and every week Jesus is going to call us to a decision. Now, what I want you to understand is that in Jesus calling us to a decision— He's not doing anything new. He's only doing what's always been done all throughout Scripture. All throughout the Bible, we see God calling people to a decision. I'll give you a few examples from the Old Testament. While Israel was in the wilderness, the Lord instructed Moses to tell the people, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make, oh, that you would choose life. Well, then the nation of Israel, they're done wandering in the wilderness after 40 years, and they enter into the promised land. And now Moses' successor, Joshua, uh, calls the nation to make this same uh, decision. Joshua says this, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we, we choose, in other words, we will serve the Lord. Likewise, on Mount Carmel, the prophet Elijah asked the people of Israel, how long, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. In other words, you need to choose. Uh, one final example is this. The Lord instructed his prophet Jeremiah, uh, tell all the people this is what the Lord says, take your choice of life or death. So friends, do you see how all throughout scripture, God calls us to a very important decision concerning where we'll spend all eternity. And this is the very decision Jesus is going to call us to each and every week throughout this series. So that's the overview of the series, and now that you have that, let's jump into uh, the particular topic we're going to study today. We said that there's two gates, we said that there's two trees, uh, you know, there's two claims, and there's two foundations. Well, today, our text is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, and in these verses, we see Jesus' teaching on the two gates, okay? And so today, in our passage, Jesus is talking about the narrow gate versus the wide gate, and he is going to push for a decision. He is going to encourage us and exhort us and warn us uh, throughout our text to choose uh, one gate over the other. Let me read you our passage, and then we'll uh, break it down and look at each piece more closely. Jesus said this. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, 
and those who find it are few. Friends, in these verses, we see two portals, we see two paths, and we see two places. And today we're going to take, take each couplet uh, one at a time. We begin with the two portals. If you're taking notes, there's your first fill in the blank, the two portals. Now, now, now you understand why Jack walked through a portal, okay, during the announcements, all right? Uh, a, a portal is an entrance. A portal is an entrance. And Jesus tells us you have to choose between two different entrances. There's the narrow gate and then there's the wide gate. And he tells us that each uh, portal leads to a different path and each path leads to a different place. It's kind of like this. Uh, a few years back, I flew uh, out of Bradley International Airport to Israel. And then a few years later, I flew out of that same airport to uh, India. Now, the one time I arrived and they said, go to gate three. Gate three will take you to Israel. But then the next time I arrived, they said, go to gate 12. Gate 12 will take you to India. And because I went through the right gate each time, I got to the right place. Now, had I been trying to get to India, gate 12, but, but had I entered through gate 3, I would have ended up in the wrong place. And so we see how important it is to enter through the right gate. Each gate puts you on a unique flight. Each flight takes you down a unique path, and each path leads to a particular destination. And if you want to arrive at the right destination, you have to enter through the right gate so that you can be put on the right path that takes you to that right destination. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach us here in the first point, the importance of entering through the right gate. He says there's two different gates. You could go through either one, but let me tell you, the one you want to choose is the narrow gate. And he doesn't even tell us why yet. He's going to get to that in a little bit. But at this point, all he says is enter through this gate. It kind of reminds me of when I was a kid. I went to this old school Italian barber shop. And everyone would say, you want to get your hair cut by Joe, all right? All the barbers were equally friendly. But to put it nicely, they were not all equally skilled, okay? And so when you went to this barber shop, you wanted Joe. If Joe wasn't there, you wanted Gino. And if uh, Joe or Gino weren't there, then you better just go ahead and make another appointment for another day to come back when one of them is. So it's like, you want Joe. That's what people would say. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You want Joe. You want Joe. You want to enter through the narrow gate. This is the right gate to enter through. But so we see the two portals. There's two portals. There's two paths. There's two places. We've just looked at the two portals. And now that you've seen them, here's your next fill in the blank. Let's now look at the two paths. Now, to put it as simply as I can, there's an easy path and there's a hard path. And Jesus actually says, I want you to choose the hard path. Now, if we go ahead and choose the wide gate, Jesus lets us know that life here on earth will actually be easier for us. We live in a godless culture. It has its own set of morals and values. It has its own worldview. And if we choose the narrow gate, uh, the broad gate that leads to destruction, we will fit right in uh, with the people of this culture um, who, who are godless. 
We'll, we'll fit right in. We'll go with the flow. We won't be a fish swimming upstream. We won't be going against the grain. We'll, we'll just, we will fit right in. Nothing we think or say or do will be offensive um, to, to, the, to the people that we interact with. And we'll, we'll just, yes, we'll agree with the morals. We'll agree with the values. Uh, we'll put our stamp of approval uh, on anything and everything. So long as that's what culture says is, is good and right to put your stamp on. And we will just, we'll just go unnoticed. Jesus says, take the narrow uh, uh, take the narrow gate and you'll be put on, on easy street. You'll be put on an easy path. But should you choose to enter through the narrow gate instead of the wide gate, you're going to take a path that's much more difficult. Now you will be a fish swimming upstream. Now you will be going against the cultural grain. Now you're going to have a, a, a set of morals and values and a worldview that, that just makes you stand out, okay? Like a bright star on a dark night. You're just going to stand out and not in a good way, in a way that's going to uh, result in people, uh, you know, mocking you, making fun of you, uh, saying it's ridiculous what you believe, uh, falsely accusing you, lying about you, so on and so forth. And what's amazing to me is that Jesus talks about each gate, he says one's easy and one's hard, and unapologetically tells us to go ahead and enter through the gate that puts us on the path that will be harder. Now that's an interesting approach, isn't it? We have a lot of people who are self-employed at our church. When's the last time you hired someone and instead of talking about the benefits, you just talked about how difficult it was going to be, you know? Most people try to entice you onto a certain path, but that's actually not the approach Jesus takes. Jesus takes the approach. I'm not doing a bait and switch. I was talking to a friend who works at uh, one of these delivery companies, and he said, we just can't find workers, and even when we can and we hire them, uh, they no sooner get hired on than they quit. And I said, why? And he says, well, management tells them on the front end they're going to make a bunch of money, but then they come in, they have grueling hours, and then after the fact, once they're hired, they're told, oh, oh you make that money, but we didn't mean right away. We mean, you know, five years from now when you climb up the ladder. And so now they're working the same grueling hours as everyone else, but they're not getting the same pay. And so they go, oh man, this was a bait and switch. I don't want anything to do with this. And they no sooner get hired on and start working than they quit. Well, this is not the approach Jesus takes. He doesn't take the bait and switch approach. He takes the, let me tell you, plain vanilla, it's going to be tough approach. And that's just, that's just how, he, how he does it. He tells us up front, if you choose the narrow gate, you won't fit in. You'll be persecuted. You'll always be in going against the grain. You'll upset people. They won't like you. You'll feel out of place, but don't worry. It only lasts until you die. <laughs> and with Jesus just being so upfront about how difficult the path is that you'll be on if you enter through the narrow gate, we're all wondering, well, why in the world would I ever want to enter through the narrow gate? If you enter through the narrow gate and you get put on such a difficult path, why would I ever want to enter into the narrow gate? Why would I want to go through that gate? Why wouldn't I just go with the other one? Well, that's what Jesus addresses here in the third and final point that he makes in the passage, which is this. Uh, we'll talk about now the two places. So the two portals, the two paths, and now the two places. The two portals are the narrow gate and the wide gate. The two paths are the easy one and the hard one. And now we see that the two places are heaven and hell. When Jesus refers to destruction, he's not talking about annihilation. It's just a reference to hell. We read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
that those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord. Likewise, when Jesus talks about life, he's not talking about this temporal life that we're living now. He's talking about eternal life. We read of the wicked in Matthew chapter 25 that they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So do you see, friends, Jesus is talking about two places. You enter through uh, one of two uh, two portals that puts you on one of two paths, and each path leads to a different eternal destination, heaven or hell. And Jesus is saying, you should choose the narrow gate, even though it's going to be hard, because it's the only gate that puts you on the path that leads to heaven. Conversely, you shouldn't choose the wide gate, even though it's going to be easier here and now, because the wide gate is the gate that puts you on the path that leads to hell. Again, every portal puts you on a path, and every path leads to a different place. Here, Jesus says, either heaven or hell. And so we see the two paths. Now, our passage today, it's only two verses, and it's actually very simple. So let me go ahead and summarize the two, uh, or, you know, summarize the, the two verses. Let me summarize the whole lesson. To recap, Jesus says this. There's two portals, and he says, choose the narrow one. He says there's two paths, choose the hard one. And he says there's two places, choose heaven. Pretty simple, right? Pretty straightforward, right? Two portals, choose the narrow. Two paths, choose the hard. Two places, choose heaven. But there's a really, really, really important question that we have not yet answered. Namely this, what in the world does it mean to enter through the narrow gate? What does that mean? Like we've established that there's, you know, like you got to choose the right portal because the right portal puts you on the right path and the right path leads you to the right place. And if the right portal to enter through is the narrow gate, well, well Mike, I got to make sure I understand what in the world that means. So, so what does it mean, practically speaking, to enter through the narrow gate? And here we come to the crux of the whole lesson. Here's the most important part. Don't miss this, okay? To enter through... The narrow gate simply means this. To enter through the narrow gate simply means to try to get to heaven through Jesus. For he is the gate. He himself is the gate. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Some translations read, I am the door. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. But these are just three different ways to say the exact same thing. Whether it's the gate, whether it's the door, whether it's the way, uh, these are all references to entrances. Entrances. So what Jesus is saying is this, I am the entranceway into heaven. Or as he put it in John chapter 14, verse 6, take a look. No one can come to the Father except through me. So so Jesus, he's the gateway to God. Jesus is the door to God. Jesus is the way to God. 
And Jesus took the time to share this teaching because in the first century, throughout the land of Israel, the scribes and the Pharisees were trying to get to heaven a different way. They were not trying to enter through Jesus. They had come up with their own system for how one would get to heaven, and they were leading all the people in their bad example. Here's what happened. It's pretty simple. God gave the nation of Israel his laws to show them how sinful they were so that they would see their need for salvation and then accept the Savior when he came. But instead of allowing the law to serve its God-intended purpose of convincing people that they were sinners in need of a Savior, the people began to try to earn their way to heaven through strict adherence to God's law. We'll just keep it strict enough, and if we do, we will earn ourselves a spot in heaven. But this was completely wrong. As the Apostle Paul put it in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, uh, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So Jesus just utterly rejects the, the way by which the scribes and Pharisees taught the people that they could get to heaven. He just completely rejects it. He, here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. He says this, I, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now don't be confused here. Jesus is not saying you've got to keep the law even better than the Pharisees do if you want to be saved. He's not saying, if you'll just one-up the Pharisees, then on judgment day, you'll be safe. That's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is, you need a different righteousness altogether because the one that they've invented out of thin air, it's not in the Bible, and it will never save anyone. So Jesus is saying, you need a completely different righteousness than the righteousness that's taught by the Pharisees. The Pharisees said, you can have right standing with God if you keep the law close enough. And Jesus said, no, there's a, there's a different righteousness completely than that. So what is the righteousness that Jesus teaches? And friends, it's really simple. It's the righteousness that comes by faith. When we turn to Jesus and, and by faith trust him to forgive us of our sins and make heaven our eternal home, God grants to us righteousness which simply means he grants to us right standing in his sight. When we confess our sins, God retroactively applies them to Jesus' account and then punishes them on the cross of Christ. And we get to go free because our sins have been punished. They've just been punished through Christ. But not only is our sin credited to Jesus' account, Jesus' righteousness is then credited to our account. And this is how we have righteousness. This is how we have right standing with God. God gives us the very righteousness of Christ so that we are acceptable to him in his sight. And friends, this is the only righteousness that's taught in the Bible. It's the only one. It's the righteousness that comes by faith. So if you're taking notes, here's your next fill in the blank. To enter through the narrow gate means to try and get to heaven through Jesus. That's all it means. To enter through the narrow gate simply means to try to get to heaven through Jesus. Now don't be confused here. Yes, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith, but all that that means 
is that God graciously forgives our sins and grants us right standing in his sight when we place our faith in Jesus. So the narrow gate is not grace. The narrow gate is not faith. The narrow gate is Jesus himself. And when we put our faith in him, by God's grace, through our faith, we are forgiven of our sins and we become citizens in the eternal kingdom of Christ. Now, I can't even tell you how diametrically opposed our culture is to the teaching of Jesus that we've seen today. Our culture believes in a heresy called syncretism. And syncretism uh, is basically when someone tries to take uh, different religions and different beliefs that teach many opposite things and just tries to blend them and meld them all together. I mean, this is basically, not basically, this is what Oprah teaches. God sits atop a mountain and the Christians are just coming up this side of the mountain to get to God and then the Muslims are coming up this side of the mountain to get to God and then the Hindus are coming up this side to get to God. And and you know what? It really doesn't matter what path you take. All the paths lead to God. And oh, isn't that so inclusive? Doesn't that fit so nice in this inclusive culture that we live in? Yeah, it sounds nice. The only problem with it's wrong. It's it's the very opposite of what Jesus taught. Jesus says there's not many roads that lead to heaven, rather one. There's one gate that leads to heaven. It's the narrow gate. It's the gate that is hard now, but totally worth it because it's the only gate you can go through to get on the path that leads you to heaven. So I want us all to note carefully the reason that Jesus gives for choosing the narrow gate over the wide gate. It is not so that we can have a better life now. Many popular Christian books nowadays, you know, start with a title somewhere along the lines of like, hey, your best life now. But this is the opposite of what Jesus taught. Jesus says if you make him your choice, it's actually going to be harder now. Not better, it's going to be harder now. But Jesus says it'll be worth it because going through him puts you on the path that leads to heaven. And that's the only path that does. So it's going to be hard, but it's totally worth it because it leads you to a place you're going to want to live for all eternity. Now, many people today come to Jesus actually for all the wrong reasons. Many people today come to Jesus with the wrong motivation. And uh, evangelist Ray Comfort uh, teaches on this in such a great way that why reinvent the wheel? I'm just going to read to you uh, his thoughts on that topic concerning the reasons people come to Jesus. Take a listen. I know you'll enjoy this story. He says, two men are seated in a plane. A stewardess gives the first man a parachute and instructs him to put it on as it will improve his flight. Not understanding how a parachute could possibly improve his flight, the first passenger is a little skeptical, but finally he decides to see if the claim is true. After strapping on the parachute, he notices its burdensome weight, and he has difficulty sitting upright. Consoling himself with the promise of a better flight, though, he decides to give it a little more time. But he's the only one wearing a parachute, so some of the other passengers begin smirking at him, which only adds to his humiliation. Unable to stand it any longer, our friend slumps in his seat, unstraps the parachute, and throws it to the floor. Disillusionment and bitterness fill his heart because, as far as he's concerned, he was told a lie. 
But another stewardess gives a second man a parachute. But listen to her instructions. She tells him to put on the parachute because at any moment he'll be making an emergency exit out of the plane at 25,000 feet. Our second passenger gratefully straps the parachute on. He doesn't notice its weight on his shoulders or that he can't sit upright. His mind is consumed with the thought of what would happen to him if he jumped without it. When other passengers begin laughing at him and making fun of him, he thinks, you won't be laughing when you're falling to the ground. You better get one of these yourself. Now, let's go ahead and analyze, Ray says, the motive and the result of each passenger's experience. Don't miss this. Here's the crux of the matter, okay? The first man's motive for putting on the parachute was solely to improve his flight. And as a result, he was humiliated by the passengers, disillusioned by an unkept promise, and embittered against the stewardess who gave it to him. As far as he's concerned, he'll never put one of those things on his back again. But how different is it for the second man? The second man put on the parachute to escape the danger of the upcoming jump. Because he knew what would happen to him without it, he had a deep-rooted joy and peace within his heart having that parachute. Knowing that he was saved from certain death, it gave him the ability to withstand the mockery from the other passengers. And his attitude toward the stewardess who gave him the parachute was one of heartfelt gratitude. Ray says, now listen to what the contemporary gospel message says. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll give you love and joy and peace and fulfillment. In other words, he will improve your flight. And so, in an experimental fashion, the sinner puts on the Savior to see if these claims are, are true. But what does he get in return? He gets temptation, tribulation, and persecution. The other passengers, the other passengers mock his decision. So what does he do? He takes off the Lord Jesus Christ. He's offended for the word's sake. He's disillusioned and embittered, and quite rightly so. He was promised that putting on Jesus would make his flight better, but what he got were trials and humiliation. And now he lives with bitterness directed towards the person who shared with him the good news. And his latter end is worse than his first, because now he's an inoculated, bitter backslider. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great illustration? I love that. It shows what's the right reason to come to Jesus and what's the wrong reason to come to Jesus. Jesus today says, enter through the narrow gate, but he doesn't say it so that our life will get better. Now, our life does get better, right? But Jesus just says, hey, that's not the reason to enter through the gate. Entering through the narrow gate, coming uh, through me, becoming my disciple. It is not the way to live a life of peaches and cream. Jesus doesn't say, follow me and you'll never get cancer. Jesus doesn't say, follow me and you'll be rich and you'll always have money and you'll never have any stress in your life. No, Jesus said, hey, I'm bringing a sword, Jesus says, speaking of the division that comes in the same way that a sword divides. So sometimes bringing Jesus into your life causes a division in your life between relationships in your life. Friends might turn their back on you. Your spouse might be angry with you. Friends might turn their back on you. I mean, it might cost you dearly. But Jesus says, come to me anyway, because my path is the only path that leads to heaven. 
So Jesus' sales pitch is not, come to me and I'll make everything peachy. His sales pitch is, come to me because I'm the only way to heaven. It's going to be harder now, not easier, but totally worth it. Because all this, it's temporary. And why would you be so foolish as to choose the easier way now, which is temporary, and then suffer eternally, versus choosing the harder way now, which is temporary, and then enjoying heaven for all eternity? So he says, choose the narrow gate. And in giving this exhortation for us to choose the narrow gate, he's, he's really saying, choose the narrow gate now while you can. In other words, it's a gate that's only open for so long. It's not indefinitely open. It's only open for a season. And that season is the length of our life. Every December, my lawn company sends me uh, a, a letter in the mail, and it says, if you will prepay for the upcoming year now, we'll give you a 15% discount. But this is a limited offer. Make sure you take us up on it before December runs out. I can't go ahead and call them in January to take advantage of an offer that was only good for December. It's not the way it works. And in the same way, once we die, we can't take Jesus up on an offer that was for the living once we're dead. It's just not how it works. And so Jesus is saying, choose the narrow gate. And implicit there is choose it while you can. I mean, this is what Jesus speaks to in Luke chapter 13. Take a look. Jesus says, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter but will fail. Many will fail because they try to enter through the wrong door. Jesus says, when the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. He'll stand outside the door knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say to him, but we ate and we drank with you and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't even know who you are or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. Uh, this reminds us of the ark. Noah warned the people year after year after year after year that the, the floods come and the floods come and the rains come and you're going to die. Uh, it's, it's, you know, get it. You, know, you, need, you need to find the safety within the ark. But the people didn't listen. Well, one day God closed the doors. And once those doors were closed, they were closed. Well, the rain started falling. No doubt the people started knocking. Let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. But it was too late. It was too late. It, it, was, a, it was a limited offer. The offer had an expiration date, and so does the offer that Jesus gives us today. Enter through the narrow gate. But don't do it to improve your flight. Do it so that you can be saved from God's just judgment against sin. Do it for the blessings of eternal life, knowing full well that God's not going to Make your life a bowl of peaches and cream. Friends, we live in a sin-cursed world where there's sickness and there's suffering. But by placing our faith in Jesus, we can one day live in a world where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So the gospel isn't a promise of the great life now. It's the promise that one day we will live this amazing life. And why will it be this way in heaven? It's not this way on earth, but why will it be this way in heaven? Because Revelation chapter 22, verse three, in heaven no longer will there be any curse. 
So friends, here and now, we we live in a world that suffers the effects of the curse of sin. But then and there, there will be no curse. So here's the summary of the whole teaching. Take a look. Here's your last two fill in the blanks and we're going to pray. I'd like you to say the answer out loud with me if you don't mind. If you choose the narrow gate, will the journey be hard? But will it be worth it? It's time to choose, friends. It's time to choose. You have two portals. Each portal puts you on a different path. Each path takes you to a different place. Are you going to choose the narrow gate or are you going to choose the wide gate? You say, I don't really want to make a decision. Well, that automatically de facto puts you on the wide gate path. What's your choice today? Tell God whatever that choice is as we close in prayer. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Those of you online, uh, join us, won't you? Not out loud, but in your heart, just tell God your choice. I'll lead you in a sample prayer in case that's helpful. Say in your heart, Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, teaching of Jesus. Two portals, two paths, two places. God, today I choose to enter through the narrow gate. Today I choose to try to get to heaven through Jesus. Your word tells us that his name is the only name man can call upon to be saved from the penalty for sin, which is death. So God, today I call on the name of Jesus to save me. I am a sinner in need of saving, and Jesus, I believe, is that Savior. He came to earth, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross. Three days later, he rose. One day, he's coming back. God, I believe this. And God, I ask that since I'm trying to get to heaven through Jesus, that you would cleanse me of my sins and that you would grant to me eternal life. God, make me today, I humbly ask, a citizen within the eternal kingdom of Christ. You've appointed Jesus to rule over a kingdom forever. God, I want to be a citizen in that kingdom. I want to live under the righteous rule of Christ for all eternity. So God, I'm not coming uh, with a righteousness of my own, a manufactured righteousness, an imitation righteousness. God, I'm choosing the only righteousness found in the Bible, the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. And God, by choosing the narrow gate, I want to show you that I'm a true disciple, not a false. False disciples come any other way except solely through Jesus. God, I want to show you the genuineness of my discipleship. I choose to come through Jesus. God, help me from this day forward to be a learner of the words and ways of Christ. Help me to follow closely. And God, I ask even uh, in advance as we uh, enter into the rest of this series, God, whatever the choice is, that is the choice a true disciple makes. God, I want you to know that my answer up front is yes to that choice. Whatever the true disciple does, God, that's what I choose. God, I want to go to heaven. I know it's only through Jesus. Help me to follow him. Not to make life easier here and now. I know it might get harder. And God, I know what I'm signing up for. God, I'm counting the cost. Even if it gets harder, even if it costs me relationships, even if I'm ostracized at work or in my family or or in my friend group or among my neighbors, God, whatever it might cost, doesn't matter because all that's temporary. And God, I know it's worth it to trust in you. God, thank you for this message. Thank you for the preparation it's given me for judgment day. That when the sheep and the goats are separated, when the wheat and tares are separated, when the wheat and the chaff are separated, God, I'll be with the sheep. I'll be with the wheat.
And it's all because of Jesus. So God, I give you praise for sending him to die for my sins. And I pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Uh, If you could hang with us just for a second online and in person, we'd appreciate that. Uh, Somebody here today just accepted Christ and chose that narrow gate. And that's just such a huge deal, and we want to celebrate that with you today. But more importantly, we want to point you in the next steps that you'll be taking in your faith journey, and that would be through your Connect card. So if you're in person, and that was you today, um, you can take your Connect card. You can fill out the box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Uh, And what you're going to do is you're just going to take that back with you to our guest services table. They're going to hand you a Bible, and they're going to say congratulations. And if you're online with us, you're going to click the link that our hosts are providing, and the same goes for you. You're going to receive a Bible in the mail. Congratulations if that is you today. Uh, First time guests, thank you for visiting with us today. Whether you visited online or in person, we appreciate you and we want to give you a gift. So don't forget that connect card back at guest services and online. We'll text you a gift if you just click that link in the chat. Uh, Thank you everyone. God bless and look out for those portals, right?